I'm Tyler Smith, and this is More Than One Lesson. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, before we get started, I wanted to remind everybody that this episode is brought to you by Faith Life TV, a streaming service that features uh, narrative films, documentaries, series, sermons, all kinds of resources for a Christian audience. Uh, specifically, there's so this thing is two minutes long that I'm about to talk about, but it sounded really interesting. It is called The Tabernacle, and it is basically an animated tour, like a virtual tour of the tabernacle as described in the Bible. That's all it is. It's nobody like commenting on it. It's not a film made about it. I'm sure there probably is one in here, but it's just not unlike something when you read about Noah's Ark and it describes the dimensions. Uh, I remember, uh, listening to a sermon years ago that talked about the tabernacle and why, why it was built the way that it was. Uh, and so this recreates it, uh, in animated form and it goes through and, and shows you all the different uh, elements of it. So, and it's, it's only two minutes long. So just to give you an example of the kind of things they have, they also have, you know, two hour films and, and several series. Each episode is like 30 minutes long, but they also have two minute virtual tours of the tabernacle. So just putting that out there. Uh, so if you go to more than one lesson.com and click on the faith life ad, you'll get your first month for free. After that, it is four 99 a month. And I also wanted to mention, uh, faith life is available on Apple TV. I'm currently looking at it uh, on my phone. Uh, so basically every, uh, every way that you can watch, uh, a show or a, or a movie, uh, faith life is available on there. So thank you very much to faith life for sponsoring this episode. Let's go ahead and get started. We're recording far enough in advance that I actually don't know what is happening on the website right now. So you'll just have to go to more than one lesson.com and you tell me, don't, don't tell me I'll know by then. And those emails will go unread. So, um, anyway, uh, I will go ahead and welcome in my co-host, Reed Lackey. Reed, how you doing? I'm doing great. All right. Reed. Hi. What do we... Just let me finish, <laughs> all right? You may be my co-host, but this is still my show. Understood. All right? Understood. All right. There's a, there's a theatricality to the way I talk, all right? <laughs> when I say read... The way I just did, mm -hmm. assume a comma. It's, it's an ellipsis after it. Not exact. Yes, there we go. All right. Read. Good job. What are we talking about today? So um, I, I think the same thing that probably most other people are probably still talking about, which is uh, Marvel's Cinematic Universe's entry in the Avengers franchise, Infinity War. That's right. Yes. Um, I wanted to, uh, I had some very specific thoughts about Infinity War that I wanted to try to unpack a bit. This, uh, when I when I 
we were talking about what to discuss on more than one lesson and I was kind of leaning this way and you, you invited me to say like, Hey, yeah, we can talk about infinity war on the show if you'd like. Um, and I also still feel a little selfish because I think part of this is going to be me just trying to unpack some of what I feel about it and That's some right. of what I think about it. Um, but I, when I saw the film, there were a couple of different layers to it. I had my feelings about infinity war and, mm-hmm what it did and how it, um, the, the type of story it chose to tell. But then of course, as is the case in 2018, you immediately exit the theater and you're bombarded with a barrage of opinions uh, about, uh, infinity war as a whole. Some of it exclusive to this individual film. Sure. And some of it in light of the larger Marvel cinematic universe and some of it in light of comic books and culture, in general. Sure. Um, so I had a few things I wanted to unpack a bit, but I don't want to, uh, let's talk a little bit about the film right. first. I believe you enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, I love it. Um, and actually let's, I'll go ahead and just say this spoilers. There's going to be spoilers for oh, infinity sure. war. I'm going to assume everyone has seen it by now. Yeah. Uh, everybody that's interested has probably already seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, at the time I was driving for Lyft and, uh, and I got to see a critic screening. So I saw it a few days before most people. Mm. Uh, and the reason that I mentioned that, cause I don't like it, I'm not bragging or anything. The reason I mention it is because knowing the way it ended, mm. I was just like, people are going to freak out. Yes. Yes. And so the, so I was driving Friday when it came out and Friday night, you know, starting mm-hmm. probably around 10 or 11 at night. That's when I started actually picking people up at movie theaters. Oh, okay. and then, and they had just seen it Oh, wow! and they would. And so they were, I was getting like their first impression and they were, you know, some people like one person was, had clearly been crying oh, because wow. of the Spider-Man part, Oh, which is, is rough. you know, that rough. Is rough. Yeah. Uh, and then other people, like one one person was angry, but like in a good way, mm, you know, mm-hmm. frustrating. Like, I, that's not what I wanted to, like they were very sure, engaged. Right, right, right. right, um, right. And then other people were just like, just blown away by it. And, and so that was very, so like, it was such a huge movie that I don't really feel any, pardon me, any qualms about giving spoilers. Um, at sure. some point we'll be doing an episode about the film annihilation. Mm. Um, in which case very few people saw it and we'll probably still do spoilers, but we'll wait until later on in the episode. Right. Whereas right. here I'm fine to just jump right in. Certainly. Uh, if you want to talk about the ending, we can talk about it. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, because for me, a big part of infinity war is, a nine-year-old Tyler mm. reading about the Infinity Gauntlet, right? Uh, this big Marvel crossover series. Um, I had only started reading comic books shortly before that, but I still had my favorite heroes. I was I was an X Men guy. Oh, okay. And and then you see this uh, this villain with this amazing power glove mm-hmm. uh, just decimate our heroes. And by the way, where this movie ends is where the infinity gauntlet begins, Mm. which is to say, you know, snap of the fingers, half the universe is wiped out. And then the remaining heroes go to stop Thanos. 
And then he kills them all rather brutally. Oh, absolutely. Which for a nine year old, Mm -hmm. like, and any adult reading that would be like, well, surely this is not going to stay this way. Right. You know, Marvel doesn't exist in its current form because everyone is dead. (laughs) Um, you know, they're not just going to keep, they're like, all right, we're, we're going down to one comic book, which is about (laughs) Thanos. (laughs) And by the way, there's not a lot of conflict because he just kills anything that comes. It's a two hour movie of him just sitting, watching the sunset and sunrise and eating apple juice. It's like this weird (laughs) kitchen sink drama. Um, (laughs) so, uh, Nice callback to Applejacks, by the way. Um, so, uh, cause yeah, Th- Thanos isn't feeling well. So he's like, you know what? I'm going to indulge myself. I've had a hard week. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, as an adult, of course I would look at that just like many adults now look mm-hmm. at infinity war. And yes, of course it's very jarring for it to end the way that it did, Certainly. but we all know it's not going to stay that way. There's going to be a follow up in a year, not to mention movies in between. Mm-hmm. And so like, well, these characters aren't going to stay dead. Like we know that. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm trying to think about the nine year olds mm. that are seeing this movie that have yeah. been watching these movies, loving it, really excited. They see this movie and they don't read IMDb. Yeah, they don't know the right. release schedule. Yeah, of All they know is Spider-Man's dead. Yeah. Black Panther's Black dead. Black Panther's dead. The Guardians of the Galaxy, most of them are gone. Yeah. Like all except for Rocket, which yeah. is crazy. Yeah. And and Nebula. Oh, um, and Nebula. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just like that it's very it would be very jarring for them. And I recognize that at this point, comic book movies are not just for children. It's they really are for everybody. And so there's always going to be that, not even cynicism, but a certain degree of realism on the part of the, uh, of the audience that like, yes, we, this is sad, but we also know it's not going to last. But for, but I, I, I appreciate that the filmmakers did not let that impact the way they were going to make the movie. They're going to make it like, this is it. These yeah. people are gone and the people that remain are just going to have to deal with it. Yeah. yeah. And so that's, that was my, that's my big thing is like the infinity gauntlet was a huge thing when I was a kid for everybody in the world yeah. of, of Marvel. And, uh, and I feel like this film and I assume the next one, when you put them together, like will will feel very much the same for mm. a, a modern audience of, of younger people. Yeah. So yeah, no, I, I, that's, that's touching on so much of what I wanted to sort of, sort of get into, which is, which is fantastic. The, the, the first thing that I wanted to sort of acknowledge doesn't necessarily require a ton of discussion is, um, I continue to be impressed with Marvel's cinematic precedents Mm -hmm. for all the criticism that could be hurled at their formulaic nature of their stories. The, the general, um, repetitiveness of, uh, you know, a certain tone or a certain rhythm to their stories. I, I, I get that. Um, but they're doing something so unprecedented in, yeah. in cinema. The fact that this film would not be possible without the 18 films that preceded it. Right. Introducing us to some of these characters, teasing out some of these conflicts, developing this over time. I'm just immensely impressed and delighted mm-hmm. and glad that, that this culminated the way it did. Um, I don't think this film, you know, one understandable detriment is the film could not be taken in a vacuum. I don't think if, you know, someone came in and 
Avengers Infinity War was the only Marvel, the first <laughs> yeah. Marvel movie that they'd seen, uh, that's not going to, they're not going to get much right. uh, out of it. I don't know. Maybe that's incorrect, but I, I don't feel that they would get the value of it. If anything, I think they would look at that ending and be like, well, I'm pretty sure these people don't deserve that. <laughs> I mean, right. I don't know who they are, but this seems uh, like a big deal. Yes, yes. Um, so, uh, so again, just giving some some kudos to Marvel for their their long form strategy, their mm-hmm. long game. I think they've really just sort of won cinema in that respect. In, yeah. in terms of blockbuster cinema, they've they've really done an exceptional job. I think. Um, and so we could we could parse out again. I don't. I have other things that that I think would be substantive conversation, but. I think all the performances as they are, they're, they're perfectly reliable. Yeah. There's not really a lot of weak links. Uh, one thing, one comment that some friends of mine made that I do understand, and I would even say at the moment I agree with, they were frustrated that for all the things that they could only do by computer simulation, mm-hmm. they were frustrated that Thanos himself as a character was not practical. Because right. just, even, even with his size, there were there was really nothing to him that could not be done practically. Sure. And that was one sort of criticism about the general, uh, just completely diving into everything computer simulated, uh, and, and feeling like maybe they could have leaned a little bit more heavily on some practical effects in that regard. Um, but as has been said a multitude of times, the character of Thanos, Brolin's performance, yeah. the scripting of him, the tone at which his character is presented, I think is absolutely what it needed to be. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's brilliantly conceived and wonderfully executed in d- to the degree that he's almost the most compelling character in the film. And that's not to say that's that the other That's probably character- about right, yeah. Yeah, and, th- and that's not to say that the other characters aren't compelling. He's just so, he just consumes that screen time yeah. and uh, in a way that's not uh, uh, out of sync with what the film is trying to accomplish. You need to really feel the weight of his presence in the film. Yeah. Um, and so, I, yeah, I really feel like they were very strategic, very calculated with everything that they, that they introduced in the film with what is absent and with what we is present in the film. I feel like it's it's really exceptional. I feel like it's exceptionally scripted. Uh, even in, even if we would say that it's not perfect, uh, it, it does have it just hits all of the beats that it needs to to accomplish what it's trying for. I think that it is darn near perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think its perfection is found in where it sits in the larger MCU. Okay, yeah. Because, yes, taken on its own, I don't know who these characters are. I have a sense of them, but that's it. Yes. If you have seen everything that has come before, which I think the film rightly assumes you probably have. Sure, yeah. And so, you know, I've heard people say, like, well, we don't get a lot of Captain America. It's like, yeah, we don't. I agree. Sure, yeah. Thankfully, we've seen him in several other movies. Yeah, and what we do get is pretty great. Yeah, Yeah. and consistent with the Cap that we know. Yes, absolutely. Um, and yeah, we'd actually, we get a fair amount of Iron Man, but he's just one small part of a, of a larger film. But we know everything that has happened to bring him to this point. We yeah. know why when Spider-Man is, is dying in mm. his arms, why it's such a big deal. Yes. Um, and so, so yeah, I think that it is, it is almost perfect and perfect in that regard. And I think by recognizing that, we already have relationships with all these other characters. The one character we don't have a relationship with, except to think of him negatively, is Thanos. Right. And right. so, 
So emphasizing him and his arc and the things that he is willing to sacrifice um, is something I find really interesting. And I don't mind that he's CG because not unlike what they've been doing with the Hulk, CG only matters if you feel like it doesn't exist on the same plane as what is practical. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And there's there's a scene where the characters are trying to they're fighting against him and they're, and several characters are trying to pull the, the gauntlet off of him. Yes. Yes. It does not, it absolutely 100% feels like they are interacting with a physical thing. Mm-hmm. They're in his presence. I don't doubt it really for a moment. Like sure. yeah. if they had, if they'd made this a few years ago, the CG would have been a little bit worse. And I think it would have taken me out of it. Mm. Um, CG is not inherently bad. Practical isn't inherently good. The, the, the plus of practical is that, you know, that the characters, that the actors are occupying the same space as this, as this thing. Right, right, right. But as long as you're able to mimic that, then I don't have a problem with CG. And they do such a great job of, of showing like the texture of his skin. Yeah. Um, so that I, all they really need to do is make me forget. Hmm. Even if I'm willfully trying to forget, they need to give me the opportunity or an excuse to forget that it's CG. And I think with that performance and specifically the facial performance, I, I do like sure. I, yeah. I absolutely believe he's feeling the things that he is and that he's interacting with these characters. So, yeah, it doesn't really bother me at all. Um, and yeah, and I think he's meant to be the most compelling character at mm-hmm. the end of the film. You know, a thing that they've started doing in in James Bond fashion is they'll say like the Guardians of the Galaxy will return or oh, Thor right, will return. Right. At the end of this one it says Thanos will Thanos return. Thanos will return. It doesn't yes. say the Avengers, it doesn't say any of these other people. Yes. It's him. Yeah. Which is fascinating. Like mm-hmm. it, it that little thing which it's during the credits. Like it really doesn't have anything to do with, right, right. with the larger story, but it helps to contextualize everything we've seen before that this right. is his story. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember our friend Jason described it as kind of an Indiana Jones movie hmm. with Thanos in the Indiana Jones role, like going from oh. one place to another, gathering these artifacts right. so right. that he can accomplish this goal that he thinks is completely righteous. Sure. Um, yeah. So yeah, I do think that uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with considering him the most compelling character. Right. The other characters are compelling, but they've been established as compelling. Like exactly. we've yes. seen him before, but we need to really understand who he is this time around. Sure. Right. Cause I think the, you know, Marvel does have something of a villain problem, especially mm-hmm. cosmic villains. Yeah. yeah it yeah. introduces them. Their goal is to take something over or destroy something. One or, or maybe both. That's usually it. Yeah. They don't have much reason for it. It might be revenge or it might be some ideological thing. Whatever it is, uh, it's not explored. Yeah. This right, one, right, they re- like, this is the big bad of the whole. We've been leading up to this for 10 years. Yeah. We need to understand where he is coming from, exactly. what he wants to do, what he's willing to do, and the Im- the emotional impact it has on him. Like no, we I need to understand agree. all of that, and we do. Yeah, I completely agree. And that's that's uh, what I think is so subversive about the film is that. So I'll mention this, and that that's that'll lead me right into this next thing. I I, I heard a lot of comments to the effect that the film. These were the comments of mm-hmm. people. To the effect of like, well, 
it's essentially a cliffhanger. They just left us hanging. And I would, from basically beat one, I would chime in and retort. I was like, this, this is not a cliffhanger. Right. This film is not remotely a cliffhanger. A cliffhanger would be, he snaps his fingers, cut to credits. Yeah. We don't know what happened. But this film shows us, he snaps his fingers, these people all begin to drift away. Yeah. And these people leave existence, and the final image we're given is of Thanos, our, in air quotes, villain, sitting, watching the sunset, having accomplished what he wanted to yeah. do. The conflict introduced in the beginning of the film is resolved at the end of the film. So yeah. it's not a cliffhanger. That spoke to me about how entrenched we are, and perhaps rightly so, that in superhero films, uh, the good guys always win. And the yeah. story's not over until the good guys win. Right. So whenever somebody would say, well, this is a cliffhanger film, I was like, actually, it's not. We're just right. not used to seeing the good guys fail. One of the comments that I would make is I would say, this is one area, because you know, um, we, we host the fear of God. We're looking at horror every single week. I said, this is one area where horror has kind of acclimated us. A lot of horror films have no problem letting the, the bad right. guy win. Right. Uh, or at least letting getting you to a place to where it's like, oh, no, this is this is not ending well for the people we've come to care about. Yeah. So we uh, Nathan, my co-host and I, we, we feel acclimated to like, no, this 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 is possible in story structure that yeah. you are presented with a conflict. The conflict resolves, but not with a triumphant, you know, jubilation at the end, but rather a devastating like, yeah. oh man, the thing that our good guys were trying to stop, they weren't yeah. successful. And so that's something that's become, as time has gone on, more important to me to articulate is that, no, this is not an incomplete film. Yeah. This, even though there will be a story after this one, and this will probably show up a bit more in some of my outside of the film thematic things that mm -hmm. I'm wrestling with, even though there is, let's call it a chapter, even though there is a chapter we know is coming, yeah. This chapter itself is resolved and is complete. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it again, let's let's look at Thanos as the protagonist. He thinks the universe is in trouble based yes. on his own experience. He wants to do something about it. Mm -hmm. He feels uniquely qualified to do something about it because of his experience and his resolve. Yes. And his abilities. So he's like, all right, this is what I'm going to do. And I've spent years working on it. And now I'm, I'm almost there. We've, we've got it. Yeah. And then he accomplishes it. He has saved the universe from itself. Mm -hmm. People aren't happy with it, but he's willing to be the bad guy. Yeah. Because like he would rather be hated for, you know, because people are never going to, in his eyes again, People are not going to see the negative effects. They're mm. only going to see this guy killed half the universe. Yeah. And it's like, well, I saved you from seeing the other thing. Mm. So I, like in a way, I mean, the willingness to be hated so that other people and, and continue to be hated, yeah. be seen as like this truly monstrous villain as, around the entire universe, like there's something kind of noble about that if you're doing it to save everybody. Yeah. And so, and then he ends with, he's, you know, he sacrificed something he loved so that he could save people that he didn't even know. Mm. Okay. Certain, uh, certainly a God thing there. <laughs> right, um, right, right. And then he sits there 
the very last image of the film is so has such resonance. He's sitting there with a quiet, tired contentment. Yeah. You know, we know that like, well, this can't, you know, this cannot stand. (laughs) This aggression will not stand. (laughs) Like we know that Mm -hmm. because we've been spending the last 10 years with our, with these other heroes, but in his mind, maybe he thinks people are going to come after him. Mm -hmm. Maybe not. Maybe not. Right. Maybe he doesn't think that they can. Right. Because that's the other thing that has become important to me when people talk about the lack of completion. And this speaks to what you were saying about the nine-year-old sitting there is I said, it is not insignificant to remember. And I love that the final spoken, well, it's not, I don't know that it's the very final line of the film, but the last thing said by any of our heroes, I know that much is captain America sitting in that field in Wakanda and just uttering, Oh God, yeah, and that's the last thing any of our heroes says. Yeah, um, I think it might be immediately following that that Thanos has no, 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 no. I think that is the last line of the film because I was trying to remember uh, when Thanos says, you know, the child Gamora asks him what did it cost, and he says everything. Yeah, but I think that precedes Captain America's utterance of "Oh God." Yeah, and for these characters, my point being for them on the ground, picture you know, uh, step out of the meta-ness of it for a moment and look at that field in Wakanda Yeah. to Captain America, to Black Widow, to Bruce Banner, to Thor. They're gone. They're done. It's lost. What are they yeah. going to do now? Right. Their, their go-to, I, again, for these fictional characters in this fictional universe, their immediate response is not, well, somebody will come along and help us to fix this. Right. Their response is, we have lost. And yeah. so that brings me to the, the third in my little lineup thing that I get frustrated about, and that's that people say, and it's tied to their perception that it's an incomplete film. Right. They say, because we know more movies are coming, right. and because uh, we understand that it's too big of a moneymaker for this, and so it's, it's a cash grab, Surely, I mean, we we already know that they're filming or working on the new Spider-Man yeah. sequel. So because we know that stuff, the quote that is driving me absolutely up the wall right now is, the deaths have no stakes. Right. And I, and I, I would be curious to hear your thoughts on it, I could not more impassionately disagree with that. Because right. I feel like... To say that simply because, and this will, this is really tipping my hand to where I was going to go with this on a more sort of broad, personal level, mm-hmm. but to say that because the loss will be undone means that the loss meant nothing right. is foolhardy. Yeah. The the just because a trauma is recorrected does not mean that the trauma never existed, that it did not leave an impression, that it is not indelibly etched into the hearts and souls and spirits of the people involved. Yeah, it does. The fact that it it could and will at some point be turned into a win, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that that retroactively is no longer a loss. Right. Like, absolutely. That is still, it's not merely a loss of, oh, we we lost this battle. It's we are now losing people we care about. And yeah, like it is hard to divorce yourself from the larger knowledge of how studios work. Sure. Right. 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 But if you try, and I think the film gives you plenty of opportunities, if you try, like you can, 
you can be there with the characters. Mm-hmm. You can understand how big of a deal it is for them to watch their loved ones, people they've been fighting with and for, oh, man. Just, dis- just dissolve before their eyes. It's why that Spider-Man scene is so vital. Yes. Everything up until then, you know, watching, I mean, Bucky just saying like, Steve, like not knowing, and you don't know, does this hurt? It doesn't seem to, it's just and, but they're not being blinked out of existence either. Like they're contemplating going away as it's happening. They feel it. Yes. And they feel it. And it's confusing. And it's like, I'm about to not exist. W- what does this even mean? Mm-hmm. And it's, I think it's, it's done in a, in a really wonderful way. Yeah. Um, but we needed somebody having like feel it coming. They've seen what has happened to other people and now they know it's happening to them. And we needed an emo, a, a big emotional moment. And oh, that's spi- and the fact that it's a relative newcomer mm-hmm. and it's a young kid He's who's a kid who's got oh. his whole life out of him and just saying like, I don't want to go mm-hmm. as opposed to Dr. Strange right. who clearly knew this was coming. Yeah. Like, saw something. Uh, yes. Why else would he have, and said like something like it, this was the only way. Yeah. He says to, he says to Iron Man, um, I am sorry. This was the only way yeah. as he, you know, fades right. away into dust as everyone else does. Yeah. And so I feel like, so I was like, okay, well he, that if you want any hope, that's it. It's the guy who was able to see all the different, the one path to victory. And he says, this was the only way, even yeah. as he is dying. Like that's a guy who's made a certain degree of peace with what is happening. Sure. Because he sees that there's a path to victory here, but we need to lose first. Yeah. So it's like, okay, so there's your hope. And then right after that is Spider-Man and there's your hope gone, especially from the point of view of, Tony Stark, you know, so many people thought, you know, that everyone was hypothesizing, okay, well, someone, some people are going to die in this movie. Who's it going to be? Some big person. Right. Everyone knew vision was going to die. One of the stones is in his head. Yes. Like he's not going to make it. Yes, exactly. And then people said like, well, maybe this person, maybe this person, people thought Thor, maybe, Mm -hmm. maybe one of the guardians. And people said like Iron Man's arc needs to end with like, yeah. If he dies here, that means like his arc is complete. And so, and then he gets stabbed and it looks like he's going to go out yeah. and he doesn't. And so like, no, his arc isn't complete yet. He still needs to lose everything. I know. We don't know what happened to pepper by the way. Yes. You know? Right. right and right, so, right. and just as he's holding Spider-Man and then the fact that he's just left there on that plan, not completely alone, Nebula is there as well, but like everything that he's been trying to fight for, the last 10 years is now just gone. Like all, and he knew it was happening. He knew it was going to happen. Like, that's mm-hmm. why he tried to do Ultron. Like he said, that's the end game. And now the end game has happened and there's no glib one liners for him anymore. Like, no. yeah, he's lost everything at this point yeah. as has everybody else. And I think it's a really wonderful moment by Robert Downey Jr. Because like, he, he looks like he could kill himself at this point. Because, oh, he's so devastated. Like, yeah. He's so devastated. And it's it's even more painful, I would imagine, it's even more painful for his character because unlike the the uh, parade of, of heroes at Wakanda, mm-hmm. he did not see the battle that resulted in this. Right. Thanos left and then they're just on the on the planet 
probably right up until that final moment trying to figure a way off of it. Yeah. And then suddenly everybody starts fading and it yeah. comes crashing in on him like, oh, we, it, we didn't win this. Yeah. We, didn't, we didn't succeed. And, uh, and so that, yeah, I, I, I just get frustrated. I understand people's opinions and, and, and I understand kind of where they're coming from and what they mean when they say it. But I just mm-hmm. get frustrated with the no stakes conversation because I feel like that removes, it's one thing to not be able to divorce yourself from the meta knowledge of the filmmaking around it. Yeah. It's another thing to demand in a soft way that the narrative take that meta knowledge into right. account as well. Because I think, and I don't know this, but I think the Russo brothers have even called out to that where they said like, we can't worry about that. We can't worry about yeah. what films Marvel's gonna make after this. We were telling no. this story. And so to tell this story, we needed to go here. Yeah. And and I applaud them for doing that yeah. significantly. It's the most it's the most you can do. Like you you can try to accomplish everything. Mm-hmm. But in, and in doing so, you probably won't accomplish anything. But like, like the most the most we can do is try to accept as a given the emotional stakes of the characters in the moment. Yeah, and that's all we can really play to. Um, and by the way, some of those deaths have stakes. Loki's not coming back. Gamora's not coming back. Yeah. Vision's not coming back. Yeah, like the Absolutely. ones that dissolved, they're probably coming back. But those other ones are not. Yeah. Yeah, at least unless they, and that's the thing that's so tricky about it. And I will say this: I've, I've made this comment a couple of times to some of my friends, where I said, "Let's let's dig into the meta knowledge for a moment." Mm-hmm. Marvel has, by my estimation and my opinion, despite whatever criticisms you could make about their plot wheel formula or their structural, you know, pattern recipe, if you will, Marvel has shown themselves to be a savvy enough studio in terms of when they take risks and mm-hmm. what cho- when they make a bold choice. Yeah. They knew right the moment to introduce Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. They were well established where enough people were going to see it, and then it was a runaway hit, so great. But yeah. had it tanked, had it bombed, they wouldn't have hurt. It would have yeah. just been one little blip, and then we'd move on to other stories. So they've shown themselves to be extremely savvy when they make these sort of choices. And so I think they understand that audiences will not be satisfied from a story perspective if somebody like Captain Marvel or whatever just shows up, snaps their fingers, and fixes it all. Like, that's not a satisfying story. So whatever the ultimate end game is to restore or correct all of this, I think it's naive. I, I, I know that's a bold word, but I think it's naive to think that it will not be built upon the stakes of this previous loss. Right. And that it will not perhaps in the victory take an almost equally devastating loss to yeah. redirect this ship. Um, and I think that for me as a, as a Christian, I'll, 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 I'll call this out and then, uh, you know, we don't have to necessarily camp here right at this moment, but as a, as a believer, it's hard for me to talking about not being able to divorce meta narrative right. type of stuff. Yeah. It's hard for me not to think about this and, and I'm going to speak as a believer, well, which I am in, in total, but I'm going to speak more sp- exclusively as that for about 30 seconds here. It has always struck me as a, from a storytelling perspective, I'm not saying the Bible is merely a story or whatever, but from right. a storytelling perspective, the three days you know, roughly that Jesus was in the tomb has always stuck out to me as what must that have been like? Right. What must it have been like to sit there? Jesus has died. He's done. And the disciples were scattered 
And to them, despite his having told them multiple times, right. I'll come back, I will rise again. He said that to them. Despite telling them that, they scattered, terrified and afraid. Yeah. They weren't assuring one another, it's going to be okay, he's going to be fine. Some of them, at least one of them, saw him die, yeah. watched it. And then reports from the from the uh, the place of Calvary all said, like, he's dead. He's gone. He's buried. Joseph of Arimathea, like, put him in that tomb. Like, he's he is dead. He's gone. So what must those three days right. have been like for them? They don't get the luxury that we have of yeah. being like, it's cool, guys. Hang tight, right. and everything will be fixed in three days. For them, those 24 hours in this little cycle must have been excruciating and devastating. And I feel like we, as believers— reach our own moment where all we can see is now. All we can see is this moment. Despite whatever assurances we have been given faith-wise, practicality-wise, despite whatever assurances we have been given, all we feel is now, this Mm -hmm. moment here. And when we're sitting in that moment, it is, if not impossible, immensely difficult to look forward and say, well, just hang tight for three weeks or for two years or for whatever because yeah. all's going to be made right again. We have to sit in that pocket for a, for a beat. Yeah. And, uh, and I think, uh, you know, again, for believers potentially, a movie like Infinity War is a good doorway into perhaps exploring that sure. possibility, especially for this very finite amount of time where we don't know what the second story is going to be. Because yeah. come 2020 we're going to retroactively know sure. and it's going to feel different. Yeah. For right now as we're sitting in this pocket, we have an opportunity to sort of explore that that notion. Yeah. Okay, we know pretty concretely things will be made right again. But for right now we don't know how, we don't yeah. know what, we don't know what it will cost, and I feel like we reach points like that in our lives constantly. Yeah. Where we feel like I can't see past what's here not because of a deficiency in my mental capacity or even a deficiency in my faith. I just don't have a futuristic crystal ball that tells me my sick loved one is going to be okay, that my finances are going to even out, that all of this, uh, these dreams and ambitions and goals that I'm striving for are actually going to come into fruition. We don't have that. We sometimes, again, not to get silly and dramatic about it, but we sometimes look around at utterly devastating loss, mm-hmm. and all we're left with is similar to Cap's exhalation, just like, oh, God, I don't know what to do. I don't yeah. know where to go. I don't know what, what to do next. Some, some thing uh, or some person or some event, uh, something has devastated my yeah. world, has split my world in half, and it's not easy to sit in that moment and just placate yourself with, well, this has no stakes. Well, this has, you know, this is all going to be made better. So, yeah, I, I'll, I'll, I'll mention that uh, in this regard. So, and I always feel like I'm a broken record when I talk about my dad and that people are just like, yes, he's dead. We get it. Um, which I recognize would make my listeners jerks, but they don't, they don't email me that. I just think they assume it. Uh, anyway. Uh, but yeah, I've, uh, you know, it's a thing that, uh, Christians 
say either to themselves or to other people, like when loss has happened and, you know, my, my dad was a Christian. And so, yes, I do believe genuinely believe that I will see him again. Hmm. I do believe that still rough as it turns out because he's not here now. Yeah. And something that, you know, people again, meaning they meant well, mm-hmm. but there's like, Hey, you're going to see him again. They are kind of saying there are no stakes here. Uh, yeah. You yeah. know? Um, and it's just like, and in the same way, like when Lazarus died, Oh, Jesus yeah. didn't yeah. say like, no stakes. Don't worry. <laughs> like, I, got I this, yeah. like not only do I know this is going to happen, I'm going to do it. Like, <laughs> right. I can do it and I'm gonna, if anyone had any, if anyone was right to not cry at a death, it was Jesus at the death of Lazarus, right? you know? And so, but even he cried over the, the, the loss, the fact of loss. Yeah. Yeah. And the weight of it. Yeah. Like there is, and the Bible says there is a time to grieve Mm -hmm. and, and for us to look at the, you know, the real death of a relative or the figurative death of these characters Mm -hmm. and say like, and look beyond to the eventual solution, Mm. I think is, it it robs us of, of something that the Bible says we should allow time for. And honestly, when people say like, oh, these deaths, deaths have no stakes. It's not that I agree with them. I, I agree that yes, all is going to be made right. Yeah. They'll okay. find uh, they'll find yeah. a resolution. They'll find sure. a resolution. Right, right, right. But at the same time, in that moment, I, I'm sure many people, including me, didn't expect the film to go as far as it did, as far as removing these people. Right. And we're right. not going to get them back for a year. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're going to be introduced to Captain Marvel. We're going to get, going to get another Ant-Man. Yeah, okay. which looks really fun. It looks yeah. like it's going to be very lighthearted. Yeah. Uh, yeah, as of the day of recording, I'm seeing Ant-Man in, in uh, three days. Oh, okay, sure, yeah. And I'm curious to know, what's, what's going to happen here? Yeah, yeah. Does the movie, how does it fit into Infinity War? Like, has everyone dissolved at the beginning of Ant-Man? Mm. Or is this, or is ever, or are people going to dissolve at the end of Ant-Man? Yeah, are they because, even going to address it? Are they even going to address it? Because here's the thing. There's a flip side to this. If those deaths have no stake, have no stakes, okay? Let me put this out there. Ant-Man has no stakes. Mm-hmm, right. Like, whether they address it or not, we know that, oh, his little attempts to stop crime, who cares? Right, right. Who cares? Yes. Mm-hmm. You know? And, which is one of the reasons why I wish that they, that Marvel had not abandoned the idea of taking their Netflix shows and connecting them so directly to the movies. Yeah. They kind of moved away from that, yeah. which is a bummer because wouldn't you love to see too. a series that contemplates Yes. life with half the population gone. That is, I think how you, how you can kind of sell the stakes Yeah, I is agree. seeing like the day to day, one episode to another situation. Yeah. But anyway, but yeah, I, I do think that it's okay to, and I wonder if people say, say that thing about stakes as a way of making themselves feel better for watching these characters that they've come to know and love mm-hmm. go away. See, I would feel that way, Mm -hmm. but it sounds, at least with the people that I've spoken to directly, 
I hear more irritation in their sure. voice. And so it's like, I would almost, I, I would almost be inclined to, to sit there and be like, that's, it's kind of a coping mechanism. Sure. But, but I hear frustration and I yeah. hear irritation where they're saying like, Oh, why did you bother making that choice? Right. Because you're just going to undo it. And, and the death means nothing. And, and again, I don't want to dig too heavily. Well, can I bring in the companion? Film? Sure. Uh, so, uh, thank you for the companion film suggestion, by the way, because as soon as you mentioned it, I was like, "This, yes, this is perfect. Um, it's one of my top I've 10. been nominated for a bunch of podcast awards, Reed. All right. I, I, yes. I know I, how companion films know. work. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> how did I take a, uh, 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 an expression of gratitude and decide <laughs> I'm going to be a jerk about it? <laughs> yeah, you're right to thank me. There. Yeah, you. Um, yes. <laughs> Frankly, I'm. I, we're 43 minutes into the episode. It bothers me that you didn't lead with a thank you. <laughs> so, when we're trying to struggle about exactly what theme to sort of anchor on, you mentioned one of my top 10 favorite films of all time, uh, and that is Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan. Um, and uh, the reason I think it's so appropriate for this is not just because it's got a compelling villain with understandable stakes to mm -hmm. what he's striving for. Uh, if you haven't seen Wrath of Khan, I want to rapidly get back to Infinity War as quick as we can, but uh, it's a, it's a follow-up to the Star Trek episode Space Seed. At the end of Space Seed, Khan, a, a character, is basically exiled to a very, um, uh, it's a life-thriving planet where he can live out his days with his people. Um, but then nobody comes back to check on him, and in Wrath of Khan, it basically picks up that shortly after he was exiled there, that thriving, full-of-life planet uh, through a cosmic event uh, became a desolate wasteland, and his people struggled for decades to try to survive in that. And so then the film, he has an opportunity to then take uh, revenge, it's why it's called The Wrath of Khan, he has an opportunity to take revenge on Captain James T. Kirk, who exiled him there. And so, in brief, that is the thrust of that film. Right. But in the, uh, in the narrative as it's going, the film is very much uh, dealing with mortality and facing mortality, because in Wrath of Khan, Kirk is constantly making comments about his age, and he's mm -hmm. constantly resisting his age. Um, people are talking to him about how you know his birthday gift was a pair of glasses because he can't yeah. have the surgery done. That's you know the thing. So um, th they're constantly dealing with mortality and issues of mortality. And uh, if you have not already seen. Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, or you don't already know uh, culturally what happens at the end of it, then major, major spoilers here. Yeah. Um, uh, but the end of Wrath of Khan uh, concludes with the death of Spock, one yeah. of the most iconic characters in the entire, not only just Star Trek universe, but yeah. culturally, Spock is huge. Even to the degree that I think Spock himself, more so I would contend than any other Star Trek character, extends beyond just Star Trek's yes. influence. Um, and so it culminates with him dying, not accidentally, not um, because he gets caught in a bad moment. He makes a choice. He gives mm -hmm. up his life to save the ship and everybody on it um, by being the only one who can go into the radiation chamber and sort of fixing what's blocking the their warp drive. Um, but the radiation kills him. Mm -hmm. And the reason I bring that up and the reason that's significant to Infinity War is because Star Trek II is called The Wrath of Khan and ends with the death of Spock. 
Star Trek three is called the search for Spock. Yeah. And the entire film is about how the planet that he landed on, there's this element to the wrath of Khan story about this uh, device, a, a, a cataclysmic device that can generate life uh, where there was no life before. And mm-hmm. Spock, uh, his, his, corpse winds up on this planet and it rejuvenates him. They discover this. And so there's a whole long plot there. And then not only does the search for Spock end with, you know, spoilers for that, it ends with Spock coming back. Then he's there for the rest of it. And then, you know, so you could say to a degree that the terribly devastating death at the end of wrath of Khan had no stakes. And yet Tyler, I still now, okay, tease me for being a nerd, laugh at me for this. I still tear up a little bit at the climax of that yeah. film. And I have seen all of those films multiple times. I know he comes back. Yeah. But I still tear up at the gravity of this character knowing this is a thing that needs to be done and willingly giving himself over to do it. You know, my it, my heart kind of tugs a little bit at you know they they have that scenario called the Kobayashi Maru which is mm-hmm. the the impossible to win scenario the no win scenario and he says to Kirk at the end he said I never took the test what do you think of my solution yeah you know and his solution to it was well I'll I'll give up myself I will bear the loss myself yeah and I feel the the gravity and the weight of that in spiritual significance in emotional significance and it really speaks something to me of of the hope that we as believers have that when we are willing to, you know, the scriptures say, and I didn't write this passage down, I should have, but the the scriptures uh, acknowledge us that we don't mourn like those who have no hope. Right. It doesn't say we shouldn't mourn. Yeah, it doesn't say we don't mourn. Exactly. It just says we don't mourn in the same way as those for whom this is the end of the story. The way I kept thinking about Infinity War um, is in kind of similar contexts to Wrath of Khan in light of the future sequels, is this idea of um, this is the chapter. We know there is a chapter coming. Right. And we don't know what it will look like, what it will be. We kind of have speculations, postulations, all that kinds of thing. But we just know there is a chapter coming. Yeah. So as devastated as you know, nine-year-olds may feel at the end of Infinity War, or even some adults may feel at the end of Infinity War, they're not mourning it, if you will, right. in the same way as somebody who's like, well, this is the end of the franchise, right. and that's how it went. And I feel like there's a comparison. I'll say this, and then I'll shut up because I've been talking a long time. But I feel like there's a comparison that could be made in a life sense for believers mm. that Yes, there is. Yes, this is the chapter we're in, and the chapter we're in matters. The chapter we're in has gravity, has weight. But we believe, as the scriptures tell us, that there is a chapter coming. There is a chapter on the horizon. We don't know when. We unfortunately don't have the release schedule. But we know there's a chapter coming that we are told will change everything. Yeah. And perhaps even to a degree, uh, make all that we have suffered and all that we have seen and will make it right. Yeah. Which is not to say it's going to negate it. Exactly. That's the other thing is that people seem to think that the fact that 
the, the heroes are going to come back is going to negate the, the weight, uh, of their loss on the audience right. or on the other heroes. It's not as though when, when Dr. Strange or I guess, no, he's gone. What's the name of his buddy? Uh, Dr. Strange's buddy. Oh, I feel bad that I've forgotten it. I, yeah. I, I, I can it's conjure like, his face, but not yeah, his name. It's, it's not like, uh, it's not a super memorable name, but, um, <laughs> So like whoever gets the time stone, whenever they figure out, okay, we're going to turn back time. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever they do that, it's not as though the people that witnessed this, it's not as though they're going to be like, everything's fine. Let's move on. Right. Of no, course. like, of course it's going to stay with them just as it stayed with us. Like the fact that Spider-Man comes back is not, no, is not going to erase mm-hmm. the memory of his pleading and his hopeless pleading uh, about not wanting to go. Yeah. And you know, and that's the thing is it will simply turn it right. It will, if anything, it will, it will make the, the eventual victory much sweeter. Right. Right. You know, um, it always bothers me. It is, I always get this mixed up. Uh, it is, I believe Peter that denies Jesus three times. Correct. Yes. Okay. It always bothers me when people, judge him for that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I understand it a little bit that it's a loss of faith, but like, yeah, it's a loss of faith as he sees the guy that he put his faith in dying. Right. He hasn't died yet. Close enough though. Mm-hmm. This is certainly not the end game he had in mind. Sure. And so he must be in this moment of like, I've backed the wrong horse mm-hmm. for a few years now. Mm-hmm. And now he's gone and I don't know what I'm going to do with the rest of my life, but you know what? I'm at least going to have the rest of my life. Right. I'm not going to like, why, why double down on my bad call mm. and die with this man who I thought was God or, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so when people keep saying like, Hey, you knew this guy that we all decided should die. Right. You knew him. You were his buddy. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, no, nope, that's not no, me. No. Yeah. To me, it's completely understandable. It's not merely a crisis of faith. Mm -hmm. It is, I put my faith in entirely the wrong thing. There is visual proof as he lay, as he is there on that cross, I'm out of here. Yeah. And, and in that same way. And so like, I, I don't like, uh, judging him in that moment and, but it's something that's very safe to do in hindsight. Like, didn't he know that Jesus was going to come back? No. Right. Right. Like, and despite what Jesus said, it's just like, well, that's easy to say when you're still here. Yeah. But right now, uh, I'm not, I'm not holding out a lot of hope. Yeah. You know? And so, uh, so yeah, I do think that it's, it's interesting to, to bring in the, the, the Christian idea of the three days and the Mm -hmm. idea that, that, Jesus is gone and that, but that because we have the benefit of hindsight and we know he's going to come back, that, that his death doesn't mean anything now or that there are no stakes to it. Right. Right. And it's like, well, first off, there are a lot of stakes to him Mm -hmm. and also him dying and coming back is not the same as him always being here. Like Mm -hmm. that death needed to happen. The loss needed to happen. Yeah. And if we don't understand the vitality of that, the importance of that, then his returning 
isn't going to mean quite so much. Mm -hmm. And so in that same way, it's weird that I'm using, rather than using the movie to talk about the gospel, I'm now using our attitude towards the gospel to talk to about, talk the about movie Infinity and War, be like, yeah. this is why you're wrong about <laughs> Infinity War. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I do think that, you know, I forget who I was talking to. I was talking to somebody recently. Oh, it was when I was driving for Lyft and, and some, we, I, we were having a very in-depth conversation about the way people react to death. Mm. <laughs> That's okay. those are the conversations I have, uh, <laughs> in Lyft. And so, uh, and somebody was talking about the, the, the Western and specifically the American attitude towards death, which is like, yes, of course we know what's going to happen, but the, the faster we can move past the, the, the helplessness we feel in the face of it, mm. the faster we can move past that, the better, mm -hmm. you know, because I think in this country we're, we're used to the idea of freedom, which is to say we can do what we want. Yeah. It's like, yeah, but you can't do what you want when someone dies. Like there's, it is completely out of your hands. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter how much you believe in yourself. It doesn't matter what your degree is. It doesn't matter who your parents are. Right. When somebody dies, there's nothing you can do. Yeah. And so I think we, in order to keep the enormity of that from like really hitting us, we find a way to move past it somehow, either to not deal with it or in the case of Avengers infinity war to say like, well, they don't have any, like clinging to this other thing we know mm -hmm. so that we don't feel the weight of it. And so yeah, whether right. the people actually, whether it is obviously a coping mechanism or people are just so cynical that they, that they won't let themselves, I think mm -hmm. either way, I think they don't want to let themselves feel what the movie is feeling and yeah, what their character, right. what those characters are feeling. Uh, and so I don't know. And, and, and I, as a movie fan, just like yourself, um, I'm willing to go with where the movie takes me. And yeah, the movie yeah. is taking me into a very, very dark place, a place right. that is sad and a place that when it comes right down to it, the characters, they do know that the time stone exists, mm -hmm. you know, Scarlet Witch saw Thanos use it. Yeah. Then she'd went away yeah. by the way. So yes. it's not as though it's not as though she can come back and say, wait, wait, I saw this. Right. No, of she's gone too. Yeah. And when it comes right down to it, these are the Avengers. I think it's entirely possible that the only thing they're going to be able to cling to is he's not going to get away with this. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that there will be some sort of recompense for right. it. Right. Yeah. And I think that might be what the next movie is is not the initial, we need to undo this. Mm -hmm. It's, he needs to be held accountable for what he did. For what he's done. Sure. You know, and maybe halfway through, that's when it it dawns on them that like, oh, there is a way to undo this. Maybe there's a possibility. Um, right. But As yeah. Spock says, there are always possibilities. Yeah. <laughs> um, can I make an observation about uh, the thing you brought up with Peter? Just sure. in, in brief, it diverts us a bit, but but I think it's, it's relevant. Um, uh, something that I've speculated about, uh, it's not uh, concretely in the text, but um, connecting a few dots of some things that are in the scriptures. Um, Peter also very boldly told Jesus at the Last Supper, even if everybody else leaves you, I will not. Right. And I've speculated. This is Reed's speculation. Take mm -hmm. it as nothing more than that. If it's helpful or beneficial or somewhat uh, thought provoking, then good. But take it as nothing more than just my connecting some dots. I've often wondered about his boldness there versus the uh, 
panic and the denial a mere couple of hours later. Right. And part of what I speculate about is at that moment when he's sitting there, he has something that Jesus strips away from him in the Garden of Gethsemane. He has his sword. Mm. He has his weapon. And I feel like his boldness there is, I've got the capacity to handle this. I have a plan. I have an item. I right. have something. I will stop this. I know that even if everybody else runs away, I will be by your side because I have my weapon. And I think about that moment in the Garden of Gethsemane when the moment Jesus is about to be arrested, Peter dives in yeah. and cuts the ear off of one of his enemy. But I think it was really, and again, Reed is speculating, and I'm going to stop talking about myself in the third person. But he's he's sitting there saying, like, okay, I, I got it. I'm attacking the enemy. And then um, what Jesus does in that moment is not merely tell him, put away your sword. He doesn't merely say, stop this. Mm -hmm. He then picks up the ear of the enemy yeah. and heals the enemy so that he can be led away. Yeah. And I'm speculating that that probably shifted something in Peter that Peter wasn't prepared for. Right. Like, not only is he telling me to not save him, he's helping them. And I think something about that jarred and shifted him to a degree that he could no longer, you know, just viewing it as a sort of a, from a psychological perspective, he couldn't cope any longer with yeah. this. Not just merely that he became fearful or didn't want to suffer himself, but there was this paradigm, yeah. catechismic paradigm blow to him that said like, I don't even understand what I'm dealing with here anymore. Yeah. And the reason I'm bringing that up, that observation up, is because I feel like sometimes when we sit in our three days, when we sit in our, you know, everybody's blinked and dusted away, yeah. when we sit in our moment, sometimes I feel like what accompanies that is not merely this is a hard day, not merely this is a hard moment, but there may be people who, I know I've suffered with this, I believe mm -hmm. you have as well, there may be people who sit there and go like, from what I'm seeing, maybe God's not actually on my side. Right. Maybe God's not actually coming through for me the way that, like, I hear the scriptures, I know the scriptures, I could recite them back to you better than you could, but I'm sitting in a moment yeah. where when I stepped forward and tried to do the faith thing, it felt like God just blasted me back. And yeah. it felt like he just not only told me, don't do this, but then it seemed like he helped them. And we have sometimes a very difficult time reconciling yeah. those kinds of moments. And I do feel like that's why sometimes somebody will then come and be like, well, you got to just hold on to faith, brother. You got to. And yeah. no wonder, not only do I stand with you in not judging Peter, like we're Peter sometimes. Yeah. We'll sometimes stand there. And while we may placate people with common phrases or common words, we'll often be sitting there going like, dude, I don't know this yeah. landscape. I don't know how to be in this moment. Anyway. And in the meantime, the, the, the assurance that it was the, it's the only way mm. is not actually that comforting. Right. Because right. it's like, no, 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 surely it like this level of loss is never the only way. How right. can it be? Are you kidding me? And so like, you know, we have this moment, where Dr. Strange says in Infinity War early on, like, hey, if it's between you and protecting the time stone, oh, I'm I'm protecting the time he stone. He says it, right. And then he starts looking at all the different way, all the different paths to victory, finding only one in Out like 14 million. Yes. And 
realize. And so when Stark is about to get killed and, and, uh, strange says like, no, 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 wait, I will give you the time stone if you, if you save him. Right. And in my mind's like, what? Sure. A, you just said, uh, like an hour ago that you're not going to do this and now you're just doing it. And this is going to guarantee mm-hmm. that, that everyone's going to die or at least half of everyone. Sure. And, but that's the thing is like, he was so confident about like, I will pick the time stone every time that for him to give that up. And then for him to say like, it's the only way is like, all right, I now have faith in Dr. Strange. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. that, but that faith, it's like, I'm sure for the characters, I can't imagine Iron Man going back to everybody and be like, don't worry. Mm-hmm. Dr. Strange said this was the only way <laughs> we're going to be fine. Right. You know, right. It's like that, that assurance. That's, means that's very little. Yeah. I feel like, you know, it, it's interesting. The, the, the tone that this episode has, has taken, um, even though I know that, that it was partially your plan, but talking so much about what we know versus what we feel, mm-hmm. um, which is very much a, a, an issue of faith. That's where like a crisis of faith comes in. Is that sure. like, right. like, let's, let's say that my faith is unshakable that I know absolutely that like, you know, God's in control and all that. Like, yeah, but that doesn't bring back certain things that I've lost, right. you know? Uh, something that I recently said on BP that I had not said here is that, and I haven't been very vocal about is that like Jen and I are not able to have kids. Uh, Mm. We're, we're working on like adoption and that sort of thing. And that's going to take a while, but you know, and, and when that happened, when, when our fertility person said, you should stop doing this Mm. because you're just throwing your money away. Like we could do in vitro and stuff, but that costs a lot of money. And frankly, it's not something we felt like we should be doing. Mm -hmm. Um, No offense to anybody that that has done that. I'm not judging. It's just for us. It's not right anyway. But when that happened, I found myself praying to God. It's like, okay, so it's not enough Mm. that I don't, you're not going to let me have a dad. Mm. You're now not going to let me have a son or be a dad. So like, so what's the, what's the deal here? What's the plan? Mm -hmm. And even though I do believe that to, you know, to quote Dr. Strange, this is the only way. Mm. And it's like, I, I take very little comfort in that because this was the only way for a lot of people and they still get to have a dad. They right, still get to course. have children. You know, yeah. I have friends who've stumbled their way into having three children, you know? <laughs> right, and, right, right. and so like, Really, I, I feel like it's a, it's a film, not that this is what, what it's about, but for us, it can be an exercise, dealing with Infinity War is an exercise in understanding true loss, letting yourself feel it, let and also understanding how it plays into the larger fabric of what needs to happen right. for ultimate victory. Mm-hmm to, to occur, but still understanding that this loss f- means something. Yes. And that yes. even when this victory happens, that loss still felt something and it still shaped me on the way to that victory. Right. And so right. I do think that, uh, 
you know, <laughs> we sure are hitting these people hard that said there are no stakes to Infinity War. Um, Hopefully they've definitively now reversed yeah. their decision. I'm just kidding. Um, um, yeah. And that's the thing is, is you can, because they are, they are right in a certain regard. Narratively, it's not that there are no stakes, but there aren't as, the stakes aren't as big right. when you know right. that the story is going to ultimately wind up with the Avengers being victorious. That's true. But personally, for the characters, the stakes have never been higher. Yes. And so mm -hmm. I feel like, and and one thing that as Christians has been demonstrated to us, it's that while I have in the past described in my more angry moments, I have described God's will as a steamroller, um, <laughs> One thing that we can see when we look at Jesus is that he does care about the personal. Yeah. You know, yeah. he's there to grieve with you as the negative things are going along. He, in the Garden of Gethsemane, is like, I'd prefer this not happen. Yes, he asked. I was yeah. thinking about this in, in, in all of what you were just saying. It was like, even Christ himself said, is, is this the only way? Yeah. Like, is, like, is there any other yeah. way that we can go about this? And I think that's... That's significant. Yeah. It's significant for us as people where we are to recognize that not only does Christ understand mm -hmm. our, our, our questions and our confusion about that, to a certain degree, he has, at least in that moment from what we read in the text, experienced that. Yeah. Experienced, is this the only way? Experienced on the cross, why have you forsaken me? Those weren't, by my theological framework, those weren't just things he was supposed to say, right. those were things he was actually experiencing, emotional, mental, spiritual, intellectual, whatever. It was all culminating into this outcry of, can we, can we go about this any other way? Why am I having to endure this? Why am I having to suffer this? And I do take, um, uh, may I read a passage of scripture? Sure. Um, so... There is a passage of scripture that I have taken to uh, when friends or family members um, reveal to me that they've had a loss, a mm -hmm. loss of a loved one, a loss of a family member. Um, it is very difficult to know what to say. Sure. It, is, it is always very complicated <laughs> to try to understand what words will be comforting, what words will be dismissed and, and, and everything. But uh, this is what I have come to write down or to speak, to quote, uh, literally every time mm -hmm. because this is the passage in thinking of death that has come to mean the most to, to me. And it's the last chapter of the book of revelation, uh, chapter 22 verses one through five. I'll just mm -hmm. read through it very quickly. It says, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the lamb down the middle of the great street of the city on each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. And that image of, as the final chapter of the scriptures mm -hmm. in total as we have them, that image of... I saw a place 
where there were the, the tree of life was growing and bearing its fruit, and the leaves of that tree were for the healing of the nations. That notion yeah. that while we sit here and while we don't understand, and while the tears and the grief and the pain are completely understandable, and that's not even to speak just of death. Sometimes, um, you know, we we've recently heard about the despair or the condition of people like a Kate Spade or an Anthony Bourdain. Sure, you know, people may suffer devastation that is not just of the loss of a loved one, mm -hmm. but of the loss of their sense of a future, the loss of their sense right. of a hope, to sit in a moment like that and to hear, for whatever it does or doesn't do in our hearts and minds and spirits, to hear that there is, a, a again, a chapter beyond this mm -hmm. that says there is, a, there is a tree that bears fruit that is for the healing of the nations and yeah. that... Uh, we don't know necessarily what that will look like. We don't know what that will feel like. Maybe you haven't necessarily faced the the loss of like death, but maybe the loss of a dream, the loss mm -hmm. of a capacity in your own life, the loss of a relationship, the loss of, uh, you know, you're just not where you wanted to be at this station in your life and can't see forward, you know, past this, um, that, you know, whatever listeners who are believers or non-believers, whatever you may feel or believe about uh, God's capacity in the world, I, for one, uh, find it comforting and find it hopeful to acknowledge both, mm -hmm. to sit in that moment and cry out with Christ, with others, uh, is there any other possible way? Why have you forsaken me? What's going on? I think we need to be honest about that. Mm -hmm. I think we need to be truthful about it. I think we need to be brave enough to give it voice and at the same time keep in our other hand the there there is a tree yeah. there is a balm in gilead if you will there is a there is um a possibility to quote spock there mm. are always possibilities that this too can be made right and right. and that if we are able to to reach out and to hold on to hope like that that there may be some for us there may be some yeah. a leaf of that tree a fruit of that tree that we can latch onto and say there is something coming that can uh, make this right as it will yeah and i feel like the you know there's those there's the bracelets you know wwjd what would jesus do and when people you know, I, they, they kind of came into vogue. I mean, not nationally, obviously, but <laughs> right, right. Um, when, uh, in, in churches, uh, when I was a teenager and undoubtedly when, when they like passed these out at my, uh, youth group or whatever, um, they were, they had in mind, and I, I don't know specifically, but this is the vibe I got that it, w it had to do with holiness and it had to do with sin. It had to do mm -hmm. with, you know, Hey, if you're thinking of looking at porn or if you're thinking of, right. you know, getting drunk or w whatever, if you're thinking of doing this, this bad thing, what would Jesus do? Okay. Well, not that. Right. Right. Problem solved. Sure. Right. 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 My guess is they didn't think Jesus would ask, why have you forsaken me? Mm, right, right, um, right. Jesus would have these moments that are actually really complex and would seem to fly in the face of the knowledge that he undoubtedly right. had. Right. And so, but the fact remains, we are to be Christ-like. And that means being okay with grieving, mm -hmm. understanding the, the brokenness of the world and the devastation of loss. Yeah. And rather than try to immediately 
make it better, uh, either like logistically or emotionally and be like, okay, no, everything's fine. Uh, you know, no stakes. <laughs> right. Um, but to just feel that and understand what that actually means mm -hmm. partially so that when things are made, what made right, you will have a deeper understanding of just how right it now is. Right. Um, right. and so, yeah, uh, boy, did I not expect to have this conversation from Infinity War, but that's all right. That you know, more than one lesson is back, and we're reaching for the stars. Uh, but uh, but we will go ahead and 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 end there. So um, so yeah, listeners, you're always welcome to uh, to weigh in on this. Uh, that's one of the things that I love about this film is that I feel like there's a lot to talk about. Yeah. It's, absolutely. You know, uh, with the, uh, it's an ambitious film in every way. Mm. Um, I think there are a number of themes to explore. Um, and I'd say first and foremost is sacrifice, you know, uh, yeah. the number of people, uh, that are willing to sacrifice themselves, uh, that are willing to sacrifice others, uh, for this greater good, um, whatever the person might define that, uh, to be is something that I find interesting. It's a, it's a certainly a motif throughout the film. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, there's, there's always more to talk about. So listeners feel free to weigh in, uh, in the comments section of this post at more than one lesson.com. Uh, you can always email me Tyler at more than one lesson.com or follow me on Twitter at more lessons. Uh, read, where can people find you online? So I'm on Twitter at Reed lackey. I'm also on Facebook. You, uh, obviously, uh, the fear of God with, uh, myself and Nathan Rouse, that Twitter handle is at the fear of God. We have mm -hmm. now, um, a Facebook discussion group for the fear of God. Uh, we're on Instagram. We're, we're all over the place there. Uh, just search for the fear of God or for me directly just at Reed Lackey. All right. Sounds good. All right, everybody. Uh, thank you, everybody. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, Reed, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. And we'll get you next time. Bye.